Hello and welcome everybody once again to another episode of 49ers Future. It's still playoff time and playoff time is going to continue as we won last week. Uh, so we're excited to get into that. Uh, it's episode 21, the Frank Gore episode. Had to bring it up. Uh, I'm, a, I'm of course your host, Y2 Lamanaki, one of the moderators over at the 49ers board at the Football's Future Forums. With me as always, my co-host, co-moderator, Forge. Forge, how does it feel? NFC Championship game once again. Pretty good. It's been a long time. Just two more games. Uh, two tough games, no doubt. But uh, yeah, looking forward to it. It's been uh, it's been a long time, and uh, it's it's re- it feels really good after such a big win, too. Oh yeah, uh, it, it was a nice, uh, comfortable win for the first time in uh, quite a while for us. We've had a lot of games that came down to the last seconds, literally, um, for about five straight games there to end the season, the regular season, but. Uh, this was a 27 to 10 big, big time blowout. Um, well, I guess it's not really a blowout so much as just a, you know, a, a cushy win, uh, one where we didn't have to sweat at the end. So well, the, the funny thing is, is that it, I mean, it could have been worse. Like this, this game to me was not as close as that score actually indicates. Oh, of course like that, not. That's the funny thing. Yeah. I mean, most of, uh, most of their yards came on the one big play that, uh, Witherspoon allowed. Um, then after that, they were they were effectively shut down uh, and and totally and completely at that. Um, other than you know getting a field goal off of a, a, a Jimmy G inter- interception, but you know rather than spoil the entire uh, first five topics we have, <laughs> let's uh, let's begin talking. So in the game, the defense returned to top form. Uh, we finally had a game where the the pass rush and and all of our defensive players were back. D Ford returned. Uh, which helped that out. And then, of course, in the linebacking crew, we got Quan Alexander back and his swagger and the energy that he brings. And, uh, you know, that was certainly evident. And then in the defensive backfield, Jaquanski Tart was back. We we had some some big games uh, from a lot of different guys out there. Uh, what did you like on the defensive side of the ball? It was, yeah, it was nice to be able to finish again on the on the defensive side of the football. That That was my biggest thing. So, uh, when you look at, at how we played, we actually only hit war, um, Cousins, you know, nine times, but we got to him six, right? So we sacked him six times. Everybody on the defensive front, I mean, even Solomon Thomas had a sack. Come on. And, but we hit Russell Wilson the same amount of times, uh, at, you know, three weeks ago uh, in, the, in the season finale against Seattle, and we only managed one sack. And that's where I was talking about before on the previous podcast about like we were just seemed to be missing time somewhere. And I think obviously having the speed of the Ford back uh, really helps with regards to that. Minnesota doesn't have a great offensive line, but you know, anytime you're getting to the quarterback six times, that's a lot, even against a, you know, a, a below average uh, offensive line. So it was great to have them back. D Ford obviously comes in, gets his sack tackle for loss. Like he had a, he had a really nice game in limited snaps Everybody just played uh, really well except for Spoon. Uh, so it uh, it was great to see. It was really, really nice to be able to feel comfortable with the defense again because it had been a really long time. It had been a really long time uh, since the, the defense had, you know, returned to its dominant self. This is the, the best they've looked since that Packers game. Um, you know, we're going to see them again, and we'll talk about them later. Uh, but yeah, you're right. You know, we finally got the finishing, you know, we've been talking for weeks. Um, you know, we haven't been getting the sacks, but we also haven't gotten any, uh, interceptions uh, in, in quite a while, uh, you know, any of the big game changing plays. And of course, Richard Sherman had the, the interception in that game. There, there were a lot of standout, uh, plays from a lot of players. Uh, each of our first round picks along the defensive line had a sack in that game, uh, which includes Solomon Thomas. Uh, what a time for him to, to, to finish off a sack, even though it wasn't late in the game when the, you know, the game was pretty much already over, but you know, he still got there. Good credit to him. Uh, but then of course, Bosa had two Armstead, Buckner and Ford each had, each had a sack that, you know, that offensive line just couldn't handle the defensive line. And then on top of that, you know, we have good performances all over the field. Um, so I wanted to shout out Earl Mitchell early in the podcast, actually, because even though he only played 11 snaps, he looked good uh, for the, First time in action in in well over, well, not well over, but definitely over a year. Uh, he didn't play with any other team this year. He was he was in a, you know, camp with the Seahawks, but uh, didn't make their roster. But he had a, a solid game in those 11 snaps uh, on the uh, Armstead sack. 
he was the one who was occupying the blockers that allowed Armstead to get there. Uh, proved to be a nice little, nice little addition to that defensive line, which is, it's good. It's great. It's sorely missing without DJ Jones uh, there in the middle. You know, that was something that we're going to be concerned about. And hopefully he can give us, you know, maybe another good 15 snaps against the Packers. And, and that's just great for our defensive line rotation. Yeah. I'm actually really glad you brought up the, uh, the, the, the help that he had on the uh, on the on the Armstead ta- uh, sack because yeah I mean that's basically what he does is and it's what he did better than DJ Jones it's why it took DJ Jones a couple years to really get going was he is not going to push many pockets but he absorbs blockers he takes on a lot of double teams and he holds up fairly well he's got that like raw country strength you know how we used to talk about Justin Smith back in the day like he didn't yeah. look like he was a big huge guy but he just had that like country strength man you see him out there like chopping logs or something and uh that's what Ermocho does he's just this big dude who who can hold up when he's getting double teamed and then he occupies those blockers to get the other guys free he's he's a complimentary dude uh that's what he does and yeah I I, I agree with you I thought he did just fine I, I we obviously are gonna miss the pressure that DJ Jones can create especially in this game coming up which we'll talk about but yeah, I mean, if you're going to get 10 to 15 snaps and and he can help free up the other guys to do their job, you know, that's that's all he needs to do because everything we got from DJ Jones this year anyway was pretty much just gravy, right? Like, that's not who we were banking on to, to, to have a, a huge season and keep the defense going. So uh, same thing here. We're basically just not getting the the little additional stuff that, that DJ Jones would provide but he's doing his job and he's going to get other people free. So I think that's a big deal. Yeah, and absolutely. It's a big deal. Um, you know, the depth was while the the front guys, the first, the main starters and, and D Ford certainly as part of considering part of that, uh, you know, are the big, you know, the big guys on the defense, the the standout guys, the guys you think about when you're thinking about our pass rush, the, the fact that you got to rotate guys, uh, you know, for the first eight games, um, and then even a little bit beyond that, uh, because the first date was when Alexander went out, but we're talking D line. The the depth was was huge. It allowed guys to stay fresh. It allowed them to stay healthy. Uh, and then you know they get a week off here, and then they only played forty snaps uh, roughly in the game. So even then, you know a lot of guys are getting uh, a lot of breaks that they they didn't have in the the past seven or eight weeks uh, before that. So huge huge to have Earl Mitchell there and the ability to do that. Um, Sheldon Day looked pretty good out there as well. Solomon Tavis obviously had a, a, a couple of good um, snaps. So our, our depth looks like it's back. And, and that's fantastic, especially in a game where we didn't really have uh, a major injury. But, you know, other defensive guys I'd, I'd love to shout out. Let's talk about that defensive backfield because Jaquanski Tart was back. Uh, he didn't show up a, an awful lot on the stat sheet. I think he was only credited with a, a tackle or two. Um, but, the you know, the breakdowns that we were having back there, didn't happen in this game, uh, even though Harris had been playing better. Tart was clearly the upgrade there, um, and then Jimmy Ward had a had a really great game as well. Uh, you know, he had that big pass breakup uh, when he covered quite a distance um, to level uh, Diggs as he was trying to catch the ball deep in deep in our territory, and, and he jarred that free. And then he made the big stop on on fourth and you know twenty some to to stop him a, a yard or so shy. Uh, similar to the uh, the Dre Greenlaw tackle, the stop uh, a few weeks ago, but not not nearly as dramatic. Uh, great job by the defensive backfield. Of course, Sherman had his interception. The one, uh, and you pointed him out a moment ago, the one guy who didn't have quite a good game was Witherspoon, but Shanahan had him on a short leash, just like we talked about. And he put Mosley in, and you know from then on, Cousins had nothing. He, he was done. Uh, what did you like in our, our defensive backfield? So I want to I want to start by saying like I agree with you on the on the one play where uh, Jimmy Ward tagged Stefan Diggs yeah he really did cover a lot of ground he he's he's got some range back there which is kind of funny because I think most of his best plays come when he's actually coming downhill uh, and he's handling the intermediate part of the field he obviously has the range to play a traditional free safety up and back but I always feel like he's best it's just, it's kind of similar to when he's playing slot corner as opposed to outside corner i always feel like his best works in that intermediate part of the field but 
he's such a little dude. I feel like he should not be sticking people the way he does. Like he hits people hard, man. And yeah. every time he does, he scares me. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, it's, the scary part about it is, I mean, that's how he, that's why he's breaking so many bones in his career, you know, cause he does right. he plays hard. They, uh, I think it was Shanahan who mentioned that in the preseason that, you know, it's, it's bad luck for Ward. Um, but part of that is because he plays hard and, you know, to take that away from him, he's not the same player. And uh, yeah, when he made that hit, I, <laughs> there was a part of me that was like, please get up, <laughs> please get up. I don't want to see, uh, I don't want to see backups in for the rest of the year. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. It just, it's, it's so funny because for such a little guy, he hits so hard and he's, you know, he's always breaking bones and just continues to hit hard. But I always think that that's funny and scary at the same time. So uh, Tart obviously coming back is a big deal. And, and, you know, we, we've talked about this in previous pods where, you know, we never mention him, right? Like, he's just always so quiet. He just kind of goes about his, his business and, and does this thing. I mean, the one time we, we really talked about him when he wasn't hurt was that Seattle game when he made the great play on, on DK Metcalf. But yeah, other than that, we probably didn't talk about him more than two or three times, you know, when, when discussing defenses and, and stuff in, in any sort of serious, you know, discussion. And then he got hurt and it was like, Oh, you know, like that. Yeah. Now we're going to talk about him because clearly he's missed, but yeah, they're Ward and Tart. So I, I put this on, you know, the forums, uh, both NFL gen and even our board. I, I don't think they're great players. I think they are wonderful complimentary players. And I think we could do a lot worse, uh, but I wouldn't throw big money. I, I made the comparable that like, sort of like it reminds me sort of like the Deshaun Goldson, you know, back on the 2011, 2012 yeah, team. I, I never that. wanted to give Goldson a big contract. I, I just, I mean, he made big plays and it, he was really fun to see in that defense, but like there was always just something that was like, ugh, like, is he really this good? Really? I mean, he was a first team all pro one year, which is crazy. So, and I was never a big fan. I wanted to, to tag him and then let him go. Uh, and it's kind of the same thing here with like Tartan Ward, like, I think I think if somebody signs Ward to a big money long term deal, they're going to regret it. I you know I, I don't want to get rid of Ward. I, I basically yeah I want to keep him, but it's got to be in the right situation. Tart's got another year on this contract, so I'm not worried about that. If I had to choose, I'm I'm probably keeping Tart. But I, I think they're just really good pieces for this defense. They are good at their job, right? They don't make too many mistakes. They don't miss tackles. There's never any communication issues with them, ever. You know, like they just don't have them. It doesn't exist. And we've seen that when one of them is not there, we've seen this team error in, you know, what their, what their coverages are and the secondary sort of, you know, mess up in that regard, but you never see it with Tartan Ward. So they do all these very, very little things, right. That, you know, prevent leaks from, from popping up on the defense. And I think that's what their value really lies. And we saw it firsthand. I mean, you know, it take out the, the the plays with Spoon, and there was just there was nothing. The whole defense just feasted all the way around. You know, great job by by everybody on two very very good wide receivers and a a, a running back that you and I were both concerned about. Absolutely, uh, and you know what I what I'm really excited about. Uh, you know, with those two, obviously, with the communication is that they've been playing together forever. Uh, they were high school teammates um, when we're talking about Tartan Tart and Ward. So, uh, of course, they're, you know, communicating well, and, and I, I like that duo. I thought that comparison to that 2011 team, the safeties, was perfect. Um, they are really another Goldson and, and Whitner. I mean, different in, in a number of ways. Obviously, Ward doesn't have the interceptions that Goldson had, uh, doesn't have that kind of ball hawk mentality. Um, they're different players, but otherwise, it's they're a good safety duo. Uh, I'd love for them to stick around if if we can keep them cheaply. And, you know, part of me thinks that Ward isn't, isn't going to go anywhere just because uh, of how well the franchise has treated him, you know, all things considered uh, throughout his career. I mean, he might get paid big dollars and, and if that happens, he'll, he'll leave, but I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him on the Niners next year on a, on a reasonable contract. Yeah, um, I, I agree. I mean, he, he runs because of his health, that the, the health, health history, he's going to run the risk of obviously people just not believing it after one year. And so, you know, that, that could put him back 
right back on our radar. You know, a two year, like I said, you give him a small raise cause, cause he's only making 5 million this year. So, uh, which is incredibly, incredibly like bargain basement <laughs> type deals and incredible value. So you give him a small, you know, a small bump up on the salary for sure. But if you can get him for like, you know, two years, 17 million type, I'm, I'm okay with that. Like, all right, you know, that, that works for me. But yeah, I'm not giving him one of these huge safety deals that have been flying around lately. That's almost the exact contract I was I was willing to hand out. I was going to say two years, 18 million. So I'm willing to go an extra million further forward than you are. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but no, same, same, yeah, kind of same. It's nice that we're on the same page. Yeah, I, I, that's definitely yeah. where I would I would look at that. No, that's definitely a, the the reasonable contract I'd be looking at. Um, but that's it. Let's talk about the offense. So the offense was mainly led by the run game. Uh, we ran the ball a ridiculous 47 times. And obviously the lead back was Tevin Coleman. Uh, who, <laughs> you know, we, we've been changing those backs out interchangeably all year. Uh, just when we think Raheem Mostert is the, is the guy. I mean, he had a good number of carries, but it was Tevin Coleman who, who was the hot hand this week. And, and we rode him and, you know, he delivered. Uh, it was it was finally good to to see him pay off in that way. I mean, he had that one big game earlier against the I think it was the Panthers that he had his big game on, but um, since then he's been very very quiet. And he he looked great. I mean, he was running hard. He hit the holes with authorities. Um, I think somebody in the thread had mentioned uh, during the game that he's not the type of guy who breaks a lot of tackles, and it wasn't. But he was picking up seven yard chunks uh, at a time and you know, that's what happened at the, at that game, uh, at, at the end, uh, you know, in the second half, we ran the ball on one drive, all eight plays, uh, scored a touchdown and he was just picking up chunk after chunk after chunk. We didn't have to do anything else. Um, and then the next drive, we started off with four runs, 12 straight in a row at that point, uh, 47 runs. What do you think about all that? I'm glad that we, we brought up the 47 runs because this is actually something when talking about the run game, I really wanted to start at the top. And I have two thoughts on this. So my first thought is, okay, this is a brilliant game plan, right? So you come out of the gates and you're basically like 50, 50. I I think on the, 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 the first drive, we were pretty close to even runs passes. You get the lead. You are facing a team on a short week traveling who played an overtime game. Beat them into submission. That's the right play. Just ground them into the dirt. Like that is absolutely the way that this should have been done. And kudos to to Shanahan for for going that direction once we had the lead and it was becoming more and more obvious that they simply couldn't stop the run. The ball was snapped and our offensive line had them push that their defensive front pushed back two yards, like every time without fail. It was incredible. I mean, it was complete manhandling. And, you know, it's a rough situation for the Vikings because of that short week, because of all that travel. It That's hard. And, and then, you know, you just keep doing that. So I think that was absolutely the right play, that once we got in the lead, you just, you know, basically robbed them of their will to play this game. You know, you just run it down their throats and, and really, really tire them out. So I thought that was good. Now, that being said, the switch also happened to coincide with the Jimmy Garoppolo interception. Yeah. Uh, some weird things in the passing game a little bit. And the reason I bring that up is because I I do believe that all those runs were were purpose, were on purpose. Like I, I think that was actually a game plan was that hey, once we get up, we're just gonna we're just gonna run the ball constantly. I don't want it to be a situation where where Shanahan is a little gun shy about Jimmy Garoppolo. And I don't think that's the case, but I think it's something that needs to be mentioned because like I said, it kind of turned right around the time we threw the interception where the pass throw suddenly became very, very short. The run game got super heavy and he's going to have to trust Jimmy Garoppolo. Like you, you can't. You, at some point, we're going to have to let him go. And you don't want to put yourself in a situation where you are tying your quarterback up and then you're finding yourself, you know, trailing and having to come back and then you need them to turn it on. I mean, this is that's the Seattle game plan. That's what Seattle does every week. They run the ball, they run the ball, they run the ball. It doesn't work, it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And they're like, oh yeah, we got Russell Wilson. 
don't do that. So as long as the game plan didn't change for that reason, I absolutely loved the game plan because right. I think that was the right call. But because the timing was right around there, I thought it was something that should have been mentioned that I'm, I, I want to monitor it. I don't want him being, I don't need or want Jimmy Garoppolo being baby. Yeah. I, to me, I don't think that's, that was the case. Um, I mean, the, the interception happened in the first half, uh, right at the end of it. Um, so Garoppolo, you know, there's that stat where after a drive where he throws an interception, he's, he's absolutely lights out, uh, hits on a ridiculous percentage of his passes, um, has an incredible, uh, passer rating, the drive after and the drive after this time was just a kneel down to, to end the first half. So in the second half, we come out, uh, we get the interception from, from Richard Sherman. And then, you know, that's the drive where we just start pounding it. And to me, I mean, I, I'm more pleased that Shanahan turned to all runs after uh, his 2016, his last time in the playoffs, uh, the last playoff game he had the Super Bowl uh, up 28 to three and, and not throwing in the runs. And this time he just went run heavy. And to me, that it's perfect. You know, not only are you are you doing that to a team that's, you know, as you mentioned, played last week, is on a short week traveling, et cetera, et cetera. But at the same time, you have this big lead and you are not giving them any opportunity to to get out there and develop a rhythm in the second half uh, in any kind. I mean, you're, you're taking up so much time. Uh, we had a ridiculous time of possession advantage in that game, um, almost 38 and a half minutes to to 21 and a half. Uh, and, and I think that was just part of the strategy. He, he didn't need Garoppolo at any point at that time. Um, I, I really don't think that there's any fear there. It's just. Yeah. I mean, as long as that's the case, cause like I said, I love the game plan. I actually thought it was the right call to just, you know, pound them into submission, but because of the way the timing worked out that, you know, I was like, all right, is he overcompensating? Like, you know, he is had the, deal with the 28 to three thing for, for years now. And it's like, I don't want him overthinking himself here. I don't want him overcompensating for what he did three years ago or four years ago, whatever it was, you know, and trying to, to fix a problem that really isn't there for him, you know, just, just do your thing, make your game plan, stick with it, but don't forget who you are. Don't, you know, don't, don't change anything unnecessarily. So I just don't want him overcompensating. I don't think that's the case, but I just, yeah, I had to make mention of it. Uh, yeah. So I do have like, like I said, I want to start at the top there. I, I do have a question for you. Sure. What are you doing with Matt Breida? He has now fumbled on three of his last 16 carries. Right. And that's not good. (laughs) No, it's, it's definitely not good. Um, so it's, uh, I read an article recently that that's not Shanahan's choice, that he's the one holding him back. It's uh, coming from the positional coach, uh, which makes sense. The positional coaches are guys who, you know, typically are the ones, you know, doling out snaps and stuff. But um, so it's Bobby Turner who's who's been holding him back. Now, I mean, Breed is obviously in a slump. Uh, I mean, you can tell just, just by the way he's running and just by the, the fumbles, which hadn't been a problem with him previously. I think he's going to get his chance to work out of it, um, you know, just because – this hasn't been a long-term issue. Uh, but in the meantime, you know, we don't have to worry about that. We have two other guys who can get the job done. Um, I mean, while Raheem Mostert wasn't the, the guy with the most carries, he still had uh, 12 carries, almost 60 yards, almost five yards a carry in the game. So he still did really well when he had his, when he had his carries. Um, and if we're relying on Mostert and Coleman, it's not going to be all that different than, than what we do in a lot of games. Um, so I, I think Breedle you know, eventually get back into it. Um, I, I don't feel like the team has soured on him, but right now they got to, you know, they got to go with the hot hand. And I think that's understandable. What, what are your thoughts on that? So I, I I'm, I'm with you that I think they're, they're going to let him play through this. Like it is sort of a weird situation. I mean, he really hasn't had fumbling issues that I can remember. I mean, I know that he lost one last year when Aaron Donald literally just beat him up and stole the ball. Uh, but he, this hasn't been a problem. He hasn't got a lot of traction running the football, but he hasn't had a lot of carries, right? So we've, we, you know, we've kind of gone away. Mostert's really picked up uh, his game the last few weeks. It's it's interesting. The, the thing I don't want to happen is that I don't want him to be active and not play. Right. Like if, if you're going to do the inactive active thing, then just make him inactive and put in Jeff Wilson. 
Right. Special teams value. I was just about to say, yeah, because he can play some special teams and we've had some problems covering kicks. He, you know, he can do short yardage if you want to do short yardage. You know, Mostert, uh, he was getting pretty decent snap share with Coleman and then he had the calf thing. And I don't know if the calf thing is what brought him out of the game and made them lean more on, on Coleman. Uh, I never heard if that was the reason or if they just decided to run with Coleman because he, he was running very well. So, uh, I, yeah, I just don't, that's the only thing I don't want is, is like, don't have Brita there. Don't have him be active and then just never put him in because that doesn't help anybody. If you're going to do it, sit him, just be like, Hey, we want you to get healthy. We need you to, you know, we want you to take rest, your head straight, whatever, put somebody in that can also help the team on the field. Even if he's not in playing running back, which would be Wilson playing special teams. So just don't do that. And I'm pretty happy, but I'm with you on any given week, provided that we have two of the three available and good. I'm happy. That's fine with me. Same here. Um, So this said, let's move on to the other, the other uh, phase of the football. Uh, We'll talk special teams. So the one thing on special teams that I'm just going to note, but I don't want to get into too much of a discussion is the kickoff coverage and the fact that, you know, we're not driving the ball out of the end zone, which Wisnowski is definitely capable of, Uh, you know, he usually starts the game with a, with a kick out of the end zone. Um, but we're allowing, you know, 30 to 35 yards on a return. And, and I don't know what the, the deal is there. But I do want to focus on Mitch Wisnowski and him finally paying dividends on punts. You know, we talked about in the preseason, he had all these variations of punts. He's putting on these these ridiculous spins on them, various, various ways of, uh, you know, having that ball take off off his foot. And all year long, you know, he, he did well. He had a great net, net yard per average. Um, he was solid. He was definitely an improvement over Pinion, but we didn't see anything occur with the returner until this game. Uh, this game, you know, N4L and I think it was straight hate were going back and forth for a while. And uh, this game, Wisnowski, he he had two punts that uh, the returner couldn't handle. One of them led to a huge turnover that, that really changed the game. Uh, how about Mitch? What do you think? So the timing of those muff punts is hilarious, given the context of the conversation that was going on in the one thread with uh, and for and straight hate, as you, as you mentioned. So I thought that was, was hilarious. Uh, just giving the timing, but yeah, uh, I think I, I thought I had heard uh, somewhere that they were, <laughs> they were the first two punts that, that Cheryl's had actually muffed all year long. Uh, I don't know if that's super accurate or, or whatnot, but that I, I thought I had, I had heard that those were the first ones. So uh, obviously, and the second one, huge play by Mostert to get down there and get it recovered. But it's nice to see somebody else fumbling those punts in the playoffs for a change. I'll tell you that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and if you're right, that was his only lost fumble of the year. I don't know if he bottled anything, um, but that was the the lone lost fumble he had on the season. So what timing for, for both of them? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and that's a big, that's a big thing because – Turnovers are crucial here because like I said, I had mentioned it before, like, you know, we did get the one interception from, from cousins and I will actually come to cousins aid there because I don't think that was his fault. Phelan actually just stopped running his route. Uh, I don't know if that's a completed pass or an interception or an incomplete pass. Uh, I, you know, my guess is that it would be incomplete if Phelan completes his route, but I actually don't blame that on cousins. Uh, you know, I, I do think, that's probably more on Thielen uh, for, for not running his route through, but you know, we aren't going to get a ton of, or, you know, a ton of just turnovers from, from these teams. So at any time that you can get these, these are so huge uh, when it comes to winning football games. I know there was a stat a couple of years ago where uh, you know, like just if you have one turnover a game, your uh, your winning percentage drops like, you know, 0.17 or something like that. Like it was something insane uh, that really puts into perspective how important it is to keep the, you know, hold on to the ball. And, you know, Minnesota doesn't turn the ball over a lot. They they did twice in this one. And I, I believe that we had two as well, right? Yeah, because we had the fumble loss and the interception. Yeah, that's what I thought. So, uh, so that keeps it even, you know, obviously I don't think it would have mattered in this game, but, you know, 
things like that might matter against Green Bay. If we're, if we're fortunate enough to move on, it's damn sure going to matter against a team like Kansas City and probably Tennessee as well. I don't want to shortchange Tennessee. I mean, they're playing awesome, but, uh, you know, Kansas City's been my pick to come out of the AFC since the start, so I'm not going to change that now. So I'll just act as though they are going to be <laughs> the team that makes it, even though Tennessee beat them earlier this year. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that said, let's give out our game balls. Uh, you know, it's a great playoff game, but I want to talk about the next one um, because the games just get bigger from here. So who are you giving your game ball to this week? The first ever uh, football's or 49ers future playoff game ball. So, goes to. yeah, I, I mean, I'm going to go with Bosa. Uh, and it was funny because I, at the time, so he got his two sacks, right? And obviously that immediately would put you up for the discussion anyway. But even before he had the two sacks, I had mentioned in Thread and a couple other people had as well, like, because it had come up as a topic in another thread about, you know, run defense. Like, Bosa is perfectly fine in run defense. I don't think he's as good as, like, Armstead is at, at holding the point of attack. But, and, and positionally speaking. Uh, but he was on it. He was absolutely on it in this game his run defense was super solid he was always in position he 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 wasn't over crashing he played very very disciplined and obviously he he made his tackles when he needed to i was very impressed with him against the run specifically and that was before the sacks and then you add on the sacks uh i almost took the game ball away for the for, for for milking the injury a little bit, but then I was like, dude, it's the playoffs. All right, I gotta give you, you know. <laughs> I, I understand, I guess. Like, I, I'm sure that was a really cool moment after just having the win knocked out of you, so. Absolutely. Uh, I think Bosa's the right call. That's who I gave the ball to in our in our thread. Um, you know, he had a great game. Obviously, D Ford uh, kind of should share some of that because uh, Bosa wasn't really getting home without him, and now that Ford's back, Bosa gets two, so that's you know, phenomenal as well. Um, to your point on the the run defense, there was one play that Bosa, you know, went from the right side of the, the defensive line, chased Cook down all the way to the, the left side of the line and got there before the linebackers did. Uh, it was impressive. So it definitely deserves it. Me, I'm, I'm going to go to the other side of the ball uh, and I'm going to give it to Tevin Coleman because we haven't gotten to do that in, a, in quite a while. I think he deserves it. Uh, went over 100 yards, had nearly five yards of carry um, on those carries, had the, the touchdowns, Big game for him couldn't have come in a couldn't have come in a better time. So, if we're going to go to the offensive side of the ball, to me, he's the one who easily makes the most sense there. So, yeah, ab- absolutely, absolutely agree. I mean, he averaged nearly five yards a carry. I mean, twenty-two carries is a lot for Tevin Coleman. You know, like yeah. that's a lot. And been averaging like what three to five a game for a while. Yeah, he's been averaging. I mean, he's definitely fresh for the twenty-two. But yeah, I mean, he—that's not even when his Atlanta days. You know, he's always had. He's had a few games, obviously, when Freeman got hurt and things like that. But you know, that's never really been his his thing to take on the lion's share of the carries like that. So that was nice to see. And really important is he's holding on to the football like all <laughs> right now. You know, Mostert has a long history of fumbles that date back to college. Jeffrey Wilson can cough it up. And now breed is fumbling the football. Debo fumbled the football in this one. I mean, it was, you know, it was overturned, but it, it, you know, like it gets you a little nervous and Coleman's just, he's holding onto the ball. And I, I greatly appreciate that. Uh, he, he doesn't run through a napkin, you know, like he can't run through a wet napkin without falling. Uh, but that's not his game. That's okay. And, uh, if you're hitting those holes fast and hard and, the line's creating, you know, two yards of push. Uh, he's going to do great. So I thought it was an awesome game from him. He did have really nice, really nice burst off the line. So uh, well, well-deserved game ball. So can you name the last time that Tevin Coleman had 22 carries in a game? Hmm. I almost want to say Washington this year. We ran it a lot that game. We did. He had 20 carries that game. Oh, that was close. Damn. It was close. It was. The answer was he's never done it. That was a career high. Oh, there you go. I did not know that when I was talking about that. So, wow. Okay, then. Yeah, he had. Uh, he's had 25 times in his career uh, before that, including his very first game, uh, very first career game, and while he was with Atlanta against Philadelphia. Um, then he had two in the 2017 season back-to-back against Dallas and Seattle. 
and then he had, of course, the Redskins game. But that was the first time he carried more than 20 times. Uh, he went up to 22. So career high for him, uh, and, to your and- point. Career high, and I mean, and he did it well. He didn't he didn't carry the ball twenty two times and average three and a half yards a carry. I mean, he averaged five yards a carry. It's a really good game for him. Uh, like I said, I'm not always impressed with how he runs uh, because he doesn't run through things. But you know, there are times where I am. I thought on the first touchdown run, I, I mentioned in a thread. You know, I thought he played it really smart. He was super low to the ground, where he was basically just falling forward right away from the one or two yard line or whatever it was, and Things like that are just really hard to stop when you're that low on the ground as well. Like, I think it's a it's a very easy way to get yourself into the end zone as long as you don't accidentally hit the ground. Uh, and so he's got some, you know, he's he's got some smarts up there with how to run the football, you know. Uh, that was always like one of Frank Gore's greatest attributes was that he just knew how to run a football. And Definitely. Yeah, you know, see the way things were going and, and know what to do. So, uh, yeah, very impressive game. Well-deserved game ball. Absolutely. So uh, let's move on. Let's go and look forward. Um, before we get to talking about the Packers, the upcoming game, uh, let's talk about the AFC because, you know, we're we're going to be the second game on Sunday and they're going to play first. So um, but even before we get to them, let's ask the question, how lucky have we been since the stop? Uh, by Dre Greenlaw. So he makes the stop at the, the the one inch line. We go from the potentially the fifth seed. We're now the first seed. And then in that time, the Saints lose before we have to play them. So we play the Vikings. And then this weekend, we don't have to play the Ravens again. We don't have to play the Seahawks again. You know, should we should we beat the Packers, of course? How lucky has this playoffs gone for us? So, yeah, I mean, this is pretty damn good, right? So, uh, obviously, getting the home field advantage was was a big boon uh, along with the, the bye. The Saints loss was huge because the Saints the Saints are always just a scary team because even if their defense craps to bed, their, their offense can just – I mean, we saw it, right? They put up 40-plus yeah. points, and we just happen to score more. Uh, and that's terrifying when you play teams like that. The Seahawks I, – I, I picked us – I think I picked us both games for the Seahawks – I just, it was one of those things where I didn't want to deal with it. And it was no disrespect to Packers fans. And, and I think they actually understand it too. Um, having to deal right. with Russell Wilson and his shenanigans last week. But, you know, you just didn't want any piece of that. And even though I think Green Bay is the better team, I just think, I just wanted no part of Seattle. So I am so thankful. Even if we lose this game to Green Bay, I'm not going to suddenly say, oh, I wish we had played Seattle. No, I wanted to play Green Bay. We're going to get Green Bay. I'm so glad about that. Uh, as for the Ravens, I actually consider that a bit of a wash because they, they Kansas City was my team to come out anyway. Uh, and I always thought it was going to be one of those two. Now, if the Titans beat Kansas City this week, I, yeah, I'm going to be like, I'm going to add that in and just be like, holy hell. I, I mean, this is, you know, if we happen to win against Green Bay, that's that's an amazing run of luck for for just the way our opponents broke uh, going throughout the, the, the playoffs. So with the AFC Championship, who are you rooting for? Now you've, you've predicted Kansas City to come out, um, but it sounds like you're you're more excited to to see Tennessee win that game. Uh, what are your thoughts? Well, I would rather play Tennessee. Look, I mean, and it's not a knock against them, but what I mean, what Ryan Tannehill has done this year, while great, I also feels unsustainable. Uh, you're talking about. I mean, obviously, we we all know uh, his his career, right? It was a bit up and down. Uh, you know, in Miami before this year, they, they ship him off. They're paying most of his salary this year, which is hilarious. But, you know, he averaged eight and a half adjusted yards an attempt, ten, over 10 yards an attempt. Like, that, those numbers aren't sustainable to me, right. you know? Um, so, and, and we might st- be starting to see that regress. Obviously, the game flow of those two games, the first game he played uh, New England, which is a very tough uh, pass defense. And then last week... You know, with the Ravens, it was just kind of a weird game flow. But Derrick Henry's doing all that heavy lifting. It's not a great matchup for us because, I mean, he's just running for 200 yards every game, uh, which is insane. But, you know, like, in the end, it just comes down to, like, okay, do I do I want to play Ryan Tannehill or, or Patrick Mahomes? And yeah. I, I would rather play Tannehill. And, and – you know, if we can't win it, I will be happy for either of those teams to win it all. I, I think it would sure. be great. Um, on a personal level, um, 
you know, if we discount the 49ers, I, I really do want Andy Reid to get a Super Bowl ring because I think he's a, he's such a good coach. He's one of the best coaches I've ever seen. Uh, he's got his warts, don't get me wrong, but, you know, he's a guy who who's good enough and should have a ring. So I, I would never complain if he's going to get, uh, you know, if he's going to get a ring. Uh, that's perfectly fine. So I, I want Tennessee to win, um, but... You know, I, I think Kansas City will. Like I said, even though, uh, you know, Tennessee did beat them earlier in the year. It was sort of a weird game, though. I, I think it involved like a block punt return, you know, and it was, yeah. I mean, it was a weird game, but in uh, Tennessee just barely won. But it was, it, you know, Patrick Mahomes, I think, was banged up still and. So I, I don't expect that to, to, to replicate. I, I think that the Chiefs win this one, and I think they win it probably pretty comfortably. Yeah, I'm with you. I think the Chiefs definitely win it. Um, I don't even know if I'm rooting for Tennessee. And and the reason that I say that is because I don't know that I want to play a Titans team that just beat New England, Baltimore, and Kansas City back-to-back-to-back to back to back on the way to the Super Bowl. That... That doesn't strike me as a as something that uh that strikes me as a team that's got hot at the right time uh, that, to do that. That is completely fair, completely fair, because that does start to give you that like 2011 Giants vibe at that point, right? Like, yeah, they they went, they knocked out the I, I forget who they played week one, but then they knocked out the Packers, then they knocked out the Niners, and then they knocked out the Patriots. It, it was a uh, it was rough, so I don't know. Um, that's it. I, I'm with you. I'd, I'd rather play Ryan Tannehill uh, and hope that he turns into Ryan Tannehill in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, that's the really rough part. And, you know, and here's the thing is that their offensive line is just in pass blocking is just not good. Like Tannehill and Mariota both just got completely crushed this year in terms of sacks. Uh, and it, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, there's simply no defensive line that's as good as ours. So that's a bad combination for them. And if I mean honestly, if if I were the Niners and we're playing the Titans, I'm selling out to stop Derrick Henry. I'm perfectly fine with rolling, you know, almost man coverage, just uh, you know, on the back end, uh, with with one, you know, maybe one guy deep, but just taking my chance that the pass rush gets home and just selling out to stop the rush, you know, uh, in that game because Derrick Henry is yeah, he's full grown man at this point. I mean, he's just running over people. Yeah, absolutely. Then that would be my game plan as well. Uh, that said, let's move to the NFC and let's talk about the NFC Championship. So the 49ers are going to play in our fourth NFC Championship in 10 years, which is a, a pretty significant statistic when you think about it. And also crazy to think about because those were the only four years in which we were any good <laughs> in the in the decade. Uh, so we're going to have it for the, the fourth time. How, how does it feel to be back? Uh, it feels great, especially after some really, really lean years, because we didn't really, I mean, we did have the one, the final year under Harbaugh where we were mediocre, but we didn't have like this slow descent into, you know, championship contender to, you know, also ran or anything like we just fell off a cliff. It just happened to be kind of two cliffs, like where we went one year where we happened to be mediocre. And really that year we should have been much better than we were. I think we just we just played badly, but I think the talent level was still that of a really good team. It was sort of like Minnesota last year. Yeah. And then the next year after that, we were just done. We were just garbage. And we, you know, by the time Shanahan rolled in complete overhaul, but it is, it is really funny when you stack up. I know that Jay had brought it up earlier, you know, about the NFC team of the decade or, or what have you, but considering how lean those years were, when you to think back over the course of the entire decade to see that we were, you know, one of the better NFC teams results wise, even though we didn't quite get that, that, that Super Bowl. hopefully we'll get it this year. But uh, I thought that was pretty funny uh, with is. regards to that. Cause it's easy to forget with how bad we've been. Yeah. It's easy to forget that, uh, you know, we're, we've played in the NFC championship four times. We've only made the playoffs six times this century. You know, every other year has been, been pretty poor uh, average at best. Eight and eight was the the next best year uh, outside of the playoff years, and each time we make the playoffs, we we tend to uh, you know get there go pretty far. So uh, it's excellent to see. Uh, hopefully, we get to get back to the Super Bowl. Um, but that said, we know that 
37 to 8, which was the first score of the, the Packers 49ers game earlier this year. It's not going to happen twice. And Kyle Shanahan's actually prepped the team for this. Uh, you know, he said pretty bluntly to them that if you think that's going to happen, it's you're, you're being stupid. Uh, so the team knows that. Uh, they're not going to come out with a mindset that, that lets them fall into that trap. Um, but what do you think? Uh, what do you think about that? Do you think it's going to be close? Do you, would it, well, we'll do our predictions in a little bit. Let's skip that. I don't know why I had this topic there. But 37 to 8, it's not going to happen twice. Um, and that something else that won't happen twice, Rodgers isn't going to duplicate his career worst game, uh, which is what he had the first time he played us. Uh, he was was really, really bad under two, uh, I think it was under two yards per attempt. Um, he's not going to do that again, but can we stop him twice? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, so the, the key to this game is going to be for, for them to keep him clean. I, if you give him time, he's going to pick you apart. Now, Rodgers, to me, is still a very good quarterback. He's not a great quarterback to me. I think he misses a lot of open receivers now, both in terms of not throwing it and, you know, just making a bad pass. He still doesn't turn the ball over, uh, so credit to him for that. But he's just not the, like, the assassin that he used to be. So he's no longer in that category for me personally of special player. Like Russell Wilson is a special player, and that's why I didn't want to play him. Aaron Rodgers to me is no longer that player. He, you know, he's still very good, but he's not that special player. That being said, yeah, we're not going to get a career worst game. He's going to have some success, I think. So, you know, last game they lost Brian Belaga, and that's huge because Nick Bosa had a field day, right? Right. The other person who had a field day that game was DJ Jones, and we don't have him for this game. So that's bad. You know, that's bad for us. I expect their tackles will hold up very well against D Ford and Nick Bosa. That's, you know, David Bakhtiari and Brian Belaga, who I'm assuming will be good to go. I know it's kind of up in the air. So for me, in order to get to Rogers, I'm going to be paying a lot of attention to Buckner and Armstead because you know, DJ Jones wrecked the interior of that offensive line. The interior offensive line isn't great. And I'm assuming on pass rushing downs that we'll, you know, we'll, we'll kick Armstead inside to work alongside Buckner. And so they got to win those battles. You know, they're going to have to get through a double team or at least one of them will, but they are going to have to get to him from the middle of that line. I don't think we can overly rely on, the, the the defensive ends in this game, I, I think they'll win some battles with the tackles. And likewise, I think the tackles will win some battles with them. I think it'll be a lot more difficult than dealing with the line at Minnesota. So that's going to be huge. I would also, you know, be very mindful of the deep passes to Marquez Valdez-Scantling. They always seem to take a shot. And... You know, he's the type of receiver who could easily, you know what I mean? Like one pass, one catch, 80 yards, touchdown. So I want to be mindful of that, and that's probably going to fall mostly on Mosley, I think, um, depending on how they set up their offense. So, you know, that, there, there's a lot going on in this game that's different from the first game. So the first game is almost just doesn't exist, to be quite honest. Yeah, I, I mean, they're not going to fumble right out of the gate. I mean, it'd be cool if they did, if they want to do that. And spot is seven points again. That I'll take it. They, they um, have our permission probably. to do that. Yeah, <laughs> they have our permission. We'll 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 allow it. Uh, but otherwise, you know, probably not going to happen again. It's going to be a lot closer. I do think we match up really well. Um, I still think we're going to get to Rodgers, even if Bulaga and Bakhtiari play. I think the, the defensive ends are that good. Um, I mean, Bosa's destroyed some really good tackles this year, especially when Ford's in the game. Um, when Ford's been out, he hasn't gotten home quite as much, but, you know, that's why Bosa's uh, is having the, you know, the type of recognition he has where he's almost considered a, a vet in a rookie body at this point. Um, so I think we can slow him down again. It's not going to look like it did last time. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if it looks, you know, maybe similar to the Cousins game where, uh, you know, he has the good... The, he had 170 yards. I think Cousins did. Um, that might be right around where Rodgers gets. He might even get over 200. And uh, if that happens, then I think the game is going to be pretty close. Um, what I want to see happen is I want to get the run game going this time. And I think the last game, uh, you know, Mostert had some good carries, but I, Coleman was the lead back and he was only getting about three yards a pop, uh, which is what he had been doing most of the game. And I, th I think that's what we really need to get going. Um, but 
the injuries are also huge. So you mentioned Bulaga being back. That's that's big. But we're also going to have D Ford. Uh, he didn't play last game. Um, so that was somebody that, that we were missing, which was surprising because we did get home quite a bit. And that hadn't happened much when he was out. But in that particular game, it did. So we'll have him back. We will have Quan Alexander, uh, which is good because it should help with uh, keeping Aaron Jones in check again, even though we did that uh, did that pretty well last time. But hopefully, you know, that, that stops another outlet and we get the, the same kind of swagger that he brought in the last game. I think we can I think we can do it. Yeah, I, I, and I agree with you that I, I think just overall, I think it's a bad matchup for Green Bay. I just, I, I don't think that it's, it's, it's an ideal setup. I mean, there are just teams that match up well and poorly against other teams. You know, for whatever reason, Seattle matches up well against everybody, and it just doesn't matter who you are. If you're 1-15 or 15-1, and one, they're playing you within a touchdown. So, it's, uh, I think we, we are just, you know, in a vacuum, I think we are just a poor matchup for them. Uh, especially if we're creating pressure. I, I'm i a little concerned about this ankle injury for Kittle. Uh, doesn't sound too serious, and I'm assuming that they're just going to give him some rest. But, you know, one of his greatest attributes is that speed uh, when he's in the passing game. So, you know, they have very, very slow, in, you know, linebackers. Like, they're pretty slow. They, they, they cannot, their linebackers cannot cover our running backs or our tight ends. Uh, and if Kittle is hurting to where he's not 100% effective or he's, you know, sl- being slowed by that injury, they may not have to help out as much, uh, on him to, to keep him contained. So something I'll be monitoring, uh, throughout the rest of the week there was, is, is whether or not he practices, what's the status on that. And, you know, uh, and then, like I said, I, I really, you know, for the game, I think I'll be leaning heavily on, on Buckner and Armstead and, uh, I just, yeah, I, I think it's a really, I think it's an uphill battle for them. I, I really do. Uh, they are, they are a good team. I, I, I know that they caught a lot of flack um, this season from, from a lot of people, but I, I do think that they are a very solid team and, and definitely shouldn't be overlooked. I just, you know, and it's, and it really is, even though we say like the 37 to eight won't happen twice, it's still hard to get the optics of that game out of your head and see just how thoroughly we controlled that game uh, and get that out of your head when you're, when you're trying to evaluate this one, it's very difficult. It is very difficult um, because you don't know what of that was the Packers just kind of calling it quits early in a game that was, you know, right, relatively mid season. I mean, it was something that we didn't know how it was going to affect the, the, the overall standings in the end. They haven't lost since that game. So 13 and three, that doesn't happen by accident, you know, similar to teams, or, you know, all the fan bases and the, the media pundits and whatnot that were ready to, to put our 8-0 no start down as, you know, who did they play? It's the NFL. You can you can lose to anybody. We lost to the Falcons. Uh, the Saints lost to the Falcons. The, the Packers, you know, got beat up by the Chargers. The Ravens lost to the Browns. There's there's a lot of weird stuff that happens in the game. So to go 13-3, and three, you have to be pretty good. And, you know, we're also talking about a team who's playing in a in a championship game. So... It's a good team for sure, um, but you're right that the optics are hard to get out, and it's more hard to determine, you know, how much of an advantage we have because either way, we both like the matchup, and, and I, I believe we're probably going to both predict us to to win this game, um, but I don't know how close it's going to be, and, it, and it's hard to kind of debate that. You know, another injury that uh, probably wasn't brought up a, a ton last time, uh, Devontae Adams, he was still coming off of that toe injury. Uh, he did play the whole game. Um, but he didn't, you know, probably wasn't at a hundred percent and this game he might be and that might change the, the dynamics a little bit as well. Uh, so we'll see, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm really curious. Like, I, I don't think they'll change anything, but I, there's definitely some merit to the idea of shadowing him with Sherm. Like, I don't think they will. Uh, I, I brought it up, uh, in the thread, but we did it for like one drive last year, uh, in the game, Yeah. but yeah, I don't think, but there's like, when you consider how bad their wide receiver depth has been, you know, they have not gotten a lot of help at all from the rest of their weapons. This is like us before Manny Sanders, right? Like Debo hadn't quite broken out. We were basically like Kittle and just hope to God somebody steps up. Uh, and it's sort of the similar situation here. So there's some merit there. If you think that Sherman would be okay traveling and I, I, 
you know, he's been doing this for so long for a certain way that I think that you have to, you know, there's a comfort zone there, but it, there's a certain degree of like, Hmm, you, where you really have to think about it just because of how poorly the rest of that receiving core has, has played for the Packers. Absolutely. Um, so that said, uh, we're going to talk about Mosley and Witherspoon again. You know, we, we loosely talked about them earlier. Uh, this was a conversation we had last week. Uh, who's going to play? Last week, we, we thought Witherspoon deserved the start. What do you think this week? So the, obviously, Witherspoon didn't last long against the Vikings. He had a very short leash, and Shanahan appropriately removed him after he, you know, tripped over himself trying to catch a ball or, you know, play a ball that he really should have been able to play pretty easily. Um, Mosley came in and, and the Vikings weren't able to do anything again. Uh, it certainly seems like Mosley is going to be the guy who's going to get out there and start. I've been kind of assuming that, but what do you think? Yeah, I think it's definitely got to be Mosley at this point. I God, he's spoons just not right. Like, I, I mean, to see him like have the gu- the good coverage on that digs touchdown and then fall down it, that was so frustrating. And then to make matters worse, like, we, you know, we come in on that last drive and we bring in our backups uh, for a play or two. And he comes in and immediately gives up the pass to Thielen. And I know it wasn't a big play or anything like that. It was just like a 16-yard pass. But it's like it's like even when the backups are in, they're just picking on you still. Like, right. there, there is something just not, you know, mentally, I, I don't think he's he's there on the field. Now, credit to him for for going and taking Mosley's special team reps. I mean, that tells me he's got his head on straight with like his team. Yeah. Team, team, team. Like that's the way it should be. But yeah, at this point it's gotta be Mosley. I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, he, he came in after, you know, he missed the first two drives. He still led the team in, in passes defense last week. Now, granted, he gets a lot more opportunities than, than Sherman does, but uh, he played the ball very well. He, I didn't think he struggled at all Um, there. He, you know, he, he had five tackles. I mean, he's always been a willing tackler uh, and uh, a hard tackler. He, he likes to hit people. He's kind of like Jimmy Ward like that. But his coverage has been fine. So his coverage has been really solid. And I, I don't know. I'm even hesitant to say, like, do you like do you even put him on a short leash or do you just roll with this at this point? Mosley? Do I yeah, put Mosley like, on would you, yeah. So like, would you basically announce Mosley as the starter? I'm assuming that you think it would be, would be Mosley, but yes. then do you do what you did the spoon last week and just tell him like, Hey, you're on a short leash. I give him a medium leash because Mosley has not had a, you know, that kind of issue at all this year. He's, he's been s- s- tremendous. I mean, I can't say enough good things about what Mosley has done when he's gotten the chance to play, you know, he hasn't been perfect. Uh, he is allowed receptions and whatnot, but he hasn't had the breakdowns that Witherspoon did. And because of that, I think you, you don't give him the same, like one. Now, if he's tripping over himself, trying to defend somebody, then maybe you're like, okay, well, let's, let's see what else we can do. Um, but otherwise I think you have to give him, you have to give him just a, a, a little bit longer leash than you gave Witherspoon just because you, you want to have consistency out there. I think, um, you know, you want the guys to, to play with each other and, and, you know, get into a rhythm themselves, and Mosley's proven that that he can handle that. But I'm 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 thrilled that you brought up the Witherspoon going and and asking for Mosley's special team snaps and you know being readily available. Uh, you know, not taking an attitude, not taking a "woe is me" kind of thing. Uh, he went out and he did that. And we talked. Uh, you know, it was quite a few episodes ago at this point, but we talked about how much we love this particular 49ers team, and and here's just another reason. I mean, they're they're selfless. They, they play for each other. They want to go out and they want each other to succeed, even at their own expense. Um, you know, they just want to get out there and, and they want to do whatever they can to win. And and I love that. And I think that that's helped quite a bit this year. And and I think this kind of thing is another example of it. Um, is another thing that's going to lead to lead to a big game for, for us this week. Absolutely. And, and he's not going anywhere. Like if anybody thinks that this story or this competition is over, it's not. It's, it's not like Mosley. We may ride with Mosley the rest of the year, but I guarantee you starting next year, we are right back to competition for who's starting opposite Sherman. Like right. his story, his story's not over. He's, he's going to be here next year. He's on the, the last year of his rookie deal, which is cheap. 
Uh, he's not, he's going to have his opportunities to get himself right and get himself back into the lineup. And we, we saw how good he was um, starting, you know, starting the year. Uh, you know, when you go back to that Tampa game and you're looking at how good Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are, I mean, that's arguably the best, the, the best receiving duo in football this year. And you go back and watch that game and it was kind of Sherm who struggled, right? Like he gave up the touchdown pass. He gave up a couple of the passes. He had multiple penalties. Spoon was fine. <laughs> so yep. clearly the talent's there. You know, he's going to get some, he's, he's had this happen before. He had this happen a little bit last year. He's just consistency's really hard to get down. And I think once he loses it in his head, I, I think it's really hard for him to, to get it back and, get back to what he was. And I think he's just struggling. He's kind of like Brita right now. He's just struggling to find it. And, uh, you know, he'll get his chance to come back next year. And, you know, you never know. He might end up playing a pivotal role, especially, you know, if you play KC and they put, you know, four receivers on the field at some point, you know, like maybe he's out there again or something. So who knows? Well, you're right. They are going to compete next year. And, uh, you know, the good news is this year, we're not going to have to go out and try and find somebody to force a competition like we did this year with Jason Barrett, we, we know we have two corners that can compete um, and the better guy's going to win. That doesn't mean we can't look at corner, you know, or, or defensive back somewhere in the, the draft and or in the off season to, to bring in somebody else. But um, at least we can feel comfortable knowing that the two starters are going to be on the, the roster. So what are your predictions uh, for the NFC championship game? What do you got? Yeah. So this is like, very rarely do I, do I, I mean, this might actually be like a big win for me. I, I think I'm going to pick us by 10. Okay. So I'll say something like 34, 24. I, I, there's, there's a path to green Bay winning this game for sure. And I, I'm definitely concerned. Like I, you know, worried about as much as I get, I guess I can be worried with how comfortable I feel based on what the team looked like last week, what we look like against green Bay the first time, uh, you know, and I'm not trying to diminish them. I just, I, I look at this the same way I look at Seattle and I just look at the teams and I think, man, we're just a better team. I, I really believe that. Like, you know, you can, you know, people can say like, sure. Aaron Jones, like for example, when you're comparing running games, Aaron Jones is probably the best running back on the field for either team. Right. Yeah. But we had more, we had 500 more rushing yards, we, we averaged more yards per attempt than Aaron Jones as a committee. You know, we had more touchdowns as a committee. Like, you know, it, the names aren't always impressive, but what they do and what they accomplish in the game is. And I just look at the team, and I don't know if we'll get the run game going, but, you know, last time we struggled out of the gate until we switched out, we flipped out school and, and Brunskill. And then it was just, you know, an avalanche on of good offensive play for us, big plays. I think that was the game where we had like no time of possession, right? We just kept throwing the ball uh, and getting big touchdowns and big plays. So I don't, I just think we're a bad matchup for them, honestly. So I'm going to say 34, 24, I, I, that might be the biggest win I've picked us to have all year, which sounds insane and is crazy in the, in the NFC championship. I just, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I just, it, it, it seems like this should be our game. Well, maybe you're right. Maybe it's the the optics of the first game, but I too think uh, this is going to be a double digit win for us. I'm predicting 31 to 20. Uh, that was the score I had in my mind, and of course, I'm predicting a win. I predicted us to go all the way after the Ravens game, so I'm not stopping stopping short now. Um, it, you're right. This is a matchup that we should win. We match up well across the board. Um, you know. Even the you take the best their best position groups against our uh, best position groups, you know, offensively versus defensively, and I think we we have that. Uh, you know, wide receiver to quarterback, uh, defensive line, offensive line, it, it doesn't matter. I think we we're gonna win this game and win it handily. Um, I'm going a little shorter than you in terms of the score, 34-24. I think the the defenses are gonna step up a little bit more. Um, you know, shorten that game a little bit, but I, I do think our offense is gonna is going to finally get on a roll. And I think Garoppolo is going to have a, a good game again um, to kind of bounce back from last week. Um, again, I think that was more a, you know, a factor of the fact that we went up big and didn't need to throw. Um, but this week, I think we're going to need to throw a little bit more. And I, I think he's going to come through in a big way. So 
49ers win 31-20. That's my guess, and I'm sticking to it. And well, then, and, and if that's the case, if we are right, it's Super Bowl time. <laughs> we're going bowling, if that's right. Yes. Well, either way, we'll go bowling, but unfortunately, it might be the Pro Bowl if we lose. That's, that's you know, it, it's, important, it's important to remember, too, that we play some rather exciting NFC Championship games. Uh, that's been a long story tradition for us, I think. Um, yeah, so let's uh, break that. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> I would like a comfortable win. <laughs> Hey, we had we had all of the the close game heart attack games that we needed uh, at the end of the regular season. We can we can just start blowing out teams from here yeah, on. Yeah, you know, give us give us a slight breather. Let us let us have a break, uh, and then you know we can have we can get all of our crazy out in a super super close game in the Super Bowl if we need to. Yeah, some people some people like seeing close games. Not me. Give me forty nine nothing. I, yeah, I don't. Right? Like, yeah. I don't. I don't much. care. If if I'm just sitting there with no concern whatsoever, and, and I can like peek at my phone in between snaps <laughs> because we're <laughs> so big, I I don't care about any of that. Give me give me a blowout any day of the week. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I just I, either way, like I it it gets very nerve wracking, especially for somebody who puts all their neuroses into a three hour time period once a week. Uh, it's it's crazy when the games are, are really tight because I am just. A, a jumble of raw nerves and, and I'm a complete mess. So uh, hopefully we'll, uh, you know, my, my hope is that we will get out to an early lead, um, you know, seven, nothing. And then even if they tie it up at seven, seven, like Minnesota did, like I just want us to stay ahead of the game a little bit to where even if it's somewhat close, I just feel like it's one of those games where we are, always, you know, we're always just going to be ahead, you know? So, right. Uh, that's what I, that's what I'm hoping for. Same here. Well, that said, that wraps up another episode of 49ers Future, the Frank Gore episode, episode number 21. Thank you all once again for listening all the way to the end, um, assuming, of course, that you've made it this far. As always, we ask you to share this podcast with all your friends who are 49ers fans. Uh, make sure to like the, the podcast on Twitter and uh, follow us on social media. Subscribe to the podcast. Do all those things that, you know, help us expand our listeners and you know, help people uh, come out to our forum and, and that kind of stuff. So, Forge, any last words before the championship game? Ready. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for this to happen. I, you know, go, go Niners. Let's, let's do this. Uh, it's been a while since the Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, we've, we've had a, we've had a rough go of it for a few years in the NFC West with the Rams loss that uh, the Seattle loss. So it's time to bring some pride back to the NFC West. So, you know, let's Absolutely. go, let's go get this done. Yeah, we need to we need to turn that around, and let's not forget the uh, the other uh, other loss by an NFC West team uh, this decade in the Super <laughs> right. Bowl. Yes, so let, it'd be great to to turn that one around too. <laughs> <laughs> so that said, thank you guys all once again for listening. You all take care, and we'll be back next week, one way or the other. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Mm-hmm.